0: Hello, and welcome back, or welcome for the first time, to Playtime. My name is Andrew Barnett. I am a child therapist who lives and works in beautiful Asheville, North Carolina. And this is a podcast dedicated to play therapy, coming at play therapy from a child-centered perspective. And today on the podcast, I want to talk about coping skills... And this podcast was inspired by a conversation I had with a friend and listener of this show named Ryan Backrack. Hi, Ryan, if you're listening. And he was wondering what my perspective is on coping skills and what my perspective is on coping skills in the context of play therapy and also therapy with children in general. Uh, he works with children of an older age group, teenagers. and Coping skills are really popular in therapy these days, or so it seems. Um, We all probably have coping skills included in our treatment plans, if you are someone who takes insurance and has to write a treatment plan. Parents are familiar with coping skills and pass them on to children. Teachers are familiar with coping skills. Coping skills are something that's just kind of in the water therapeutically right now. And... I want to start this off by saying that if you are someone who has a skill that you use, whether it's deep breathing or exercise or, I don't know, uh, counting your breaths, being aware of your thoughts, taking space when you're escalated, um, you know, all the different things that people do when they're feeling upset to try to feel better. And if you have one of those that's working for you or your child or a child that you work with has something that's working for them that they're excited about, that's wonderful. We all need tools in this world to help us get back to ourselves, to help us gain some perspective on a situation, to help us not be overrun with the emotional intensity that we're experiencing, and to be able to settle back in, to maybe be able to respect those emotions a little bit better once we're calmer, and then to move forward more connected to ourselves and connected to our values and not acting too strongly out of a place of fear or shame or defensiveness or aggression or what have you. So in that sense, coping skills are great. And I would never try to take someone's coping skill away from them or encourage someone not to use a coping skill if that coping skill is working for them. But there are other times when we talk about coping skills where I can get a little bit afraid about what we're doing with coping skills. For a lot of the children that I work with, I mean, deep breathing is the popular skill of choice, and when these children are escalated in a situation, it is often offered to them by their caregivers or parents or teachers or whoever to take some deep breaths in order for them to calm down. Coping skills can often be given to children when the adults in their orbit want them to, you know, simmer down, settle down, be able to submit a little bit better to what's going on in the environment at the moment. And so they will use that skill with them to like help them get back to a place of regulating. And I don't want to say that that's true all the time. There are certainly times when adults give children coping skills because they want to just to genuinely help them out. And they want them to be in less distress for them. They don't want their child to be uncomfortable. But there are other times when, and regardless of the reason, so let's try to set that reason aside or I'll try to set that reason aside. For me as an adult, when I'm upset and someone tells me that I need to calm down, like, hey, take some deep breaths, man, or hey, like try doing X, Y, and Z to calm down. You're being a little bit much right now. I don't like it when people do that. I can feel invalidated in my experience. It's like this person's telling me that I'm too much or I need to settle down in some way or like that my response isn't appropriate. When that's said to me as an adult, I do feel defensive and I can be a little angry if someone tells me to calm down when I'm feeling upset about something. That's different when I come to someone and say, hey, I need your support. I'm trying to calm down. And then that person can say to me, "Like, hey, like, let's, let's help you calm down. Like, What do you need? What would be helpful? And I could say, I don't know. I'm just not feeling very good right now. And then maybe if they offer me some suggestions at that point, that's helpful. But I've already let them know that, hey, I would like to receive some suggestions to help me calm down. And I hope that me talking about myself is helpful for others, because maybe this is relatable in some way. And I think for children, it can be relatable, because we're all people after all. But when I'm feeling upset, and someone just names for me that I'm upset, and someone just witnesses my experience, like, Andrew, you seem angry. Andrew, you seem sad. Andrew, you seem scared. Andrew, you're upset about something. That feels good, That feels accepting. That feels like I have a witness. That feels like I'm no longer alone in my experience of this thing that someone else knows what's going on with me too. And that happens with children as well. Part of our Child Center Play Therapy sessions is naming experiences that children are having with them, naming the emotions that they're having, witnessing them as a person in all of their personhood without telling them they need to do something different or think something different or feel something different and they move through those experiences and they find themselves in their experiences and they learn to be able to handle it because they can handle it. Children are capable of handling being angry and feeling that anger and having it witnessed and then moving on. Children are capable of feeling scared and having that witnessed and moving through that and moving to something else. And children do that naturally. I am consistently amazed by the ability of children and people to move through their experiences when they're given the opportunity to do so. And when we throw coping skills at children when they're struggling, part of the message that we're saying to that child is, you need some help in getting through this. This breathing will help you get through this. This whatever will help you get through this. But you could use some assistance right now in getting through this. When we're telling a child to do something, when they're having an emotion and they're not asking us to help them calm down, they're simply having this emotion and then we give them something to try to take that emotion away so that they don't feel it anymore, we are setting ourselves up to be in a battle with them. We are setting ourselves up for them to resist that. And then they have to build a wall. And then they might be angry with us. And then they're fighting a different kind of battle. And then they're unable to move through those emotions. Because they have to they have to build up these barriers just to continue to have that emotion. And I'm not saying that's what happens all the time. That there are plenty of times when children ask for support. Or they ask to be close to an adult. Or they ask for help with something. Children will often come to adults when they're in pain and want support. When they're feeling lonely or sad and they want love and to be cared for. There are plenty of times like that. And I haven't done the research on things like deep breathing, right? Like I don't, uh, I'm not a neuroscientist. I've heard people say that taking deep breaths is helpful. Or when you're upset. I do it sometimes myself. It is helpful. Uh, it can be centering, grounding in this way that, that makes things feel less intense. But I'm also not sold on the idea that any of the available coping skills are magical remedies and even if they are right like even if we have discovered the secret to dealing with emotions it's hard to get someone to do something when they're not in a place of doing it if someone's not in connection with you it's hard to give them advice or something that they need to do and then when these children get upset when they don't do the thing that we've said that they should do and then we're blaming them for not using the skill to help them move through this thing when at the end of the day while I don't believe that we have a magical remedy in terms of a skill to move through our experience I do believe 100% that every child and every person has the ability to be upset and be okay and has the ability to be angry and be okay has the ability to receive the messages of their emotions are telling them about their experience and to get those messages and then to not feel that pain so intensely anymore. I believe in people's ability to be respected and witnessed in their pain and then to not feel that much pain anymore. Because in saying that there's something else besides coping skills that can be helpful, which is witnessing and respect and trust, all of that is grounded in in a belief system. And it's a belief system that I've been articulating this entire podcast it's a belief system about people it's a belief system about children it's a belief that when given the opportunity children move towards harmony and wholeness and that when there is something going on with a child that's getting in the way of that 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 thing is worth taking a look at and respecting why that is what is the struggle that the child is having and not believing that that's due to any sort of inherent defect in the child, but that that they're telling us something that they need, whether it's more agency in their lives, more control in their lives, more of a witness for their experience, more love, more stability, more trust that they can move through their experience. I'm just naming things that come to mind. And I don't mean to say in that that I believe that we live in some sort of la-la land where children don't need any structure at all. I do believe that it can be helpful to name emotions for children sometimes, that they might not have the ego strength or emotional vocabulary to do so. That, naming a child's perspective and feelings and connecting things, the summarization skills that we use in play therapy sessions can be useful for widening perspectives and making larger connections and having deeper understanding. None of us are very skilled at being our own witness and our own narrator for our experience. It gets confusing in isolation. I go to my own therapy so I can have someone else even just say the things that I said back to me and I hear it in a different way and I see it in a different way and it makes more sense to me when I hear someone else say it. Which isn't to say that there can't be things that we give children to help them out. If you're seeing a child in a session and they have named that they are experiencing an emotion more than they would like to, I hope the first thing that we do is that we witness that and respect that and not assume that that what we have to do is try to fix it and not assume that what we have to do is try to give them a tool to fix it like we believe that we have these magic tools that are going to apply to every person including this person. We're not approaching people like a car mechanic approaches a car. It's not like, oh, you have anxiety? Do X. Oh, you have depression? Do X. And like that's gonna work because we're not machines. We're human beings with unique experiences and unique personalities. But in those moments, it doesn't feel off-base if you have a section of your session that's talk-based, or you have, you know, uh, some kind of goodbye ritual that you do at the end of your sessions, or, you know, whenever it feels appropriate. Like, you could say, like, hey, there's this thing... This breathing exercise, this idea that I have for making a calm spot in your home that makes you feel good, that's surrounded with possessions that make you feel calm and loved and connected to yourself and that you enjoy being in and helps you experience more joy in your life. Like maybe there's things like that that we can provide to children in a way that's not saying, hey, You should do this. This is my prescription to you as some kind of emotion doctor or something that will allow you to like, hey, have a better relationship to this thing. It could be said in more of a like, hey, there's this thing that you could experiment with, that you could try if you feel pulled to try it. And I feel pulled to say it to you because I think that it could be helpful. And if you don't do this thing, okay, you didn't do it. Nothing wrong with you for not doing that. You just weren't pulled to do it. And I say that coming from a place of not really being all that into coping skills anyway, obviously, like it's not, it does it's not one of the first things that occurs to me when someone says that they're struggling. It's like, oh my God, you should breathe more. Oh my God, you should like do X, Y, and Z. It's like, I, I believe that the witnessing of their struggle and being there with them and respecting their struggle is their path to wholeness and have been present and helped facilitate the healing of children, without the use of coping skills. Coping skills, to me, don't feel like a necessary part of the human experience of being happy or okay. And I can think of a number of examples like this, but, so I'll generalize it as well as I can. But I do a fair amount of parent sessions, maybe, like, try to do them at least once a month, and have had parents say to me things like, You know, my child was, like, storming off to their room or was storming out of the house, and while they were doing that and they were upset, I was telling them that they should take some deep breaths to calm down. And they told me that they, you know, the kids didn't do that, and they were upset with them for not doing that. And then in exploring that place a little bit further, you know, the reason why they went after them in these situations, but the child's already taking space. In these situations that I'm thinking of, it's not uh, you know it's not like they're currently smashing plates or breaking windows or punching their siblings. They're just running off, and so have named for these parents that like oh yeah you're afraid of what's going to happen when this person goes to the room by themselves and they're this they're this upset. You're scared of them being this upset. You're scared of the potential of what they might do when they're this upset. And if you're able to take that fear and put it on a shelf, take that coping skill and put it on a shelf. They know that that skill exists. You've mentioned it to them before. And let them have their experience. Let them take the space that they're taking in this moment when they're upset. You can let them know, hey, I know you're angry. Hey, I know you're sad. Hey, I know you're upset that this thing happened. And trust that they can move through it. And the things that have been reported back to me, thus far, fingers crossed, have been good for people who can implement that. It's like, oh yeah, they stormed out of the house. They went and sat under a tree. They calmed down. They came back and they were fine. Ah, they went to their room. They punched their pillow a bunch. They threw some stuffed animals around. They came back. They were fine. And from my perspective, someone who is able to feel their anger and be upset. And like has been said on this podcast before, anger is important. There's messages there about boundaries and self-respect and all of those sorts of things. But a person who is able to get angry, take care of themselves in whatever way works for them, feel that anger, be one with their anger, and then return to connection with people, that's the skill. That's the skill. That can warm my heart more deeply than hearing that someone took some deep breaths and now they're good. The world is a difficult place sometimes. A home can be a difficult place sometimes, depending on your relationship with the people inside of it. And my hope, For the world, I guess this feels like a weird thing to say. But my hope for the world is that we don't always have to cope with it. We don't always have to find a way to calm down from it. We're not always just trying to deal with it in the best way that we can and find a way to manage the stress and the pain of being a person. My hope is that people can thrive. My hope is that people can live their experience in all of its intensity and experience the highs and the lows in all of its intensity and be connected to themselves throughout and receive the messages of their emotions and thoughts and from their body and live the lives they want to live and not cope with lives that they don't want to live and not be trying to manage constantly all of the negative emotions from their lives and instead learn to live with those emotions and then maybe have those conversations that they need to have, maybe build those boundaries that they need to build, maybe make the changes that they need to make to strive towards both creating for themselves the kind of life that they would like to live and also being a participant in creating a world that we don't have to just try to cope with, but that we can love because we're a part of it. And that's all I've got for this episode of Playtime. My apologies if that ended up getting a little bit preachy or something, but it is what it is. Uh, Thank you for listening. Please contact me if you'd like to. If this episode brought up something for you, you can reach me at barnettchildtherapy at gmail.com. That's my last name. Barnett, B-A-R-N-E-T-T, Therapy at gmail.com. I've got a book out on sharing, child-centered children's book, and I uh, hope you'll pick it up. very proud of it. Very proud of the illustrations by Andrea Fieta as well. They're beautiful. You can also check out stuff at barnettchildtherapy.com. I think... That ends all the promotional stuff. And uh, yeah, I'll see you next time.